Years afterwards, Lady Peter Whimsey was accustomed to say that the first few days of her honeymoon remained in her memory as a long series of assorted surprises, punctuated by the most incredible meals. Her husband's impressions were even less coherent. He said he had had, all the time, the sensation of being slightly drunk and tossed in a blanket. The freakish and arbitrary fates must have given the blanket an especially energetic tweak to have tossed him towards the end of that strange, embarrassed luncheon so high over the top of the world. He stood at the window, whistling. Bunter, hovering about the room, handing sandwiches and straightening out the last traces of the disorder left after the sweep's departure, recognized the tune. It was the one he had heard the night before in the woodshed. Nothing could have been less suited to the occasion. Nothing should more deeply have offended his inborn sense of propriety. Yet, like the poet Wordsworth, he heard it and rejoiced. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Alicia. And I'm Lindsay. And today concludes our second season mm-hmm. with our last book by Dorothy L. Sayers, Busman's Honeymoon. Yeah. And I'm sad that we're at the end. Of, <laughs> we're, do you want to just keep going and do all the Dorothy L. <laughs> Well, I, I do think that this is a fitting, a fitting end. This book has quite mm. the... It's a bit different than most detective. No- oh, yeah. Well, more than a bit. Uh, very different. <laughs> very yeah. Different. Very yeah. different. Very uh, different. This book is half mystery, but also quite full of. <sighs> well, uh, emotional complexity. Emotional complexity that is rarely seen in a detective novel, but even like a portrait of a marriage in its infancy that is mm-hmm. rarely, I feel like, been seen in many things. Yeah. It's usually all about getting to the to do's or the I love you's, and then we don't see the rest. Yeah, it always ends with the marriage, and then you rarely see the honeymoon. Yeah, so I, I, this book particularly, I mean, of, of course, we went on and on about Gaudy Night, our last episode, as mm-hmm. a, such an unusual and rich book, and of mm-hmm. course, that was another detective novel, but this one also uh, is quite unique for different reasons. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. should we read the back? We should read the back. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do it. Okay. Murder is hardly the best way for Lord Peter and his bride, the famous mystery writer Harriet Vane, to start their honeymoon. It all begins when the former owner of their newly acquired estate is found nastily dead in the cellar. (laughs) And what Lord Peter had hoped would be a very private and romantic stay in the country soon soon turns into a most baffling case. What would the misspelled notice to the milkman and the intriguing condition of the dead man? Not a spot of blood on his smashed skull and not a pence less than 600 pounds in his pocket. I just note that notice is in quotations mm-hmm. and it's spelled N-O-T-I-S-E. <laughs> I don't know why the person who wrote this back had to like call out. <laughs> I know. Well, my blurb is almost exactly the same, except it says with the misspelled notice to the milkman at its center. Like the center of the case? What? I'm like, it's really not. Did you read the book? No, it doesn't feel like I don't know why this person also focused on that. It's very incidental. Unless I'm remembering it completely wrong. Unless we've missed a huge... Was it a clue the whole time? (laughs) No. No. All right. It was not. All right. And let us just say, because I think we forgot a little bit into Mm. it. Spoilers. Spoilers abound. Yeah. We're going to ruin this book for you. But, like, so, enrich it at 
the same time. Yeah, like once you read it, <laughs> you will be overjoyed with the enrichment we will But offer. the mystery will be no longer a mystery. No. And we're probably going to talk about all the funny bits. Yeah. So go read it. Go read it. Okay. No. All right. So I'll do a little, my final. <gasps> final talk about Dorothy Sears. Yeah. Um, and I think we've covered a lot of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most relevant thing for this, which is actually really fascinating. So the history of Busman's Honeymoon, it started life as a play, as a stage play, mm. which she co-wrote with one of her close friends. So when she was at Oxford, she had this group of um, friends and they called themselves the Mutual Admiration Society. And uh, one of her friends from there was her lifelong friend. Her name was Muriel St. Clair Byrne, which is an awesome name. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the early 1930s, so Dorothy Sayers had already published a bunch of whimsy books and Muriel was working as a playwright, but they were both kind of struggling. Um, Muriel was struggling to find success as a playwright and Dorothy Sayers was struggling because she wanted to introduce more complexity and emotional elements to her work, but was feeling stifled by the genre. So uh, apparently um, detective plays were quite a thing Mm. in the era. Um, So they decided to collaborate on a play and Muriel suggested that they use Dorothy Sayers' characters. So they decided it was going to be a Peter, Harriet, and uh, Bunter were going to be in this. And that um, it was going to be set during Peter and Harriet's honeymoon. So that it would give them the opportunity both to write a cozy country mystery and also to explore the um, emotional complexities of their relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And The interesting thing, I think, about this is that... So she had already written Strong Poison and Have His Carcass. Okay. But But she she hadn't written Gaudy Night. Yeah. So she wrote Strong Poison, she wrote Have His Carcass, and then she took a break from the Harriet stories, and she wrote um, Murder Must Advertise Mm -hmm. and The Nine Tailors. Mm. And then she and Muriel started collaborating on Busman's Honeymoon. So... Have his carcass, as we recall from that episode, like there's already some development in the relationship between mm-hmm, Harry mm-hmm, and Peter, mm-hmm. but there's nowhere near where they are by the end of Gaudy Night. No. So she, they wrote the play together, um, and I'm getting this information that I'm telling you right now from a, the book called Mutual Admiration Society, um, how oh. Dorothy L. Sayers and her Oxford Circle remade the world for women by Mo Moulton, and I will link to it in the show notes. It's a really fascinating read, and there's a lot of really great details about their collaboration and how they worked together to create the play. Um, and so I highly recommend reading that if you're interested. Um, but yeah, she basically was like, well, I'm writing about his honeymoon. I better get him engaged. Yeah. So she started writing Gaudy Night um, at the same time. Oh, boy. As she was working on the play. And then when they finished the play, she finished um, Gaudy Night, and then she started working on the novelization of Busman's Honeymoon. So it's, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, but they had sort of conceived Busman's Honeymoon, the play, as um, a way to show Harriet and Peter reinventing marriage to suit themselves. And they talked about, amongst themselves, how... In traditionally romances were kind of, they considered them sort of like annoying to have in detective fiction. Right. Okay. And they were like, but with this relationship, it's not a situation of Harriet is the heart to Whimsy's brain. 
Right. Okay. They're both struggling with the balance of yeah. those two things. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of the the motivation. Yeah, and you can see that negotiation. I was mm-hmm. saying to you that mm-hmm. this book is filled with lots of fascinating moments in which they yeah. kind of negotiate. Okay, now we're together. Like, mm-hmm. how are you responding to this? How am I responding to this? And like, how are you assuming I'm responding? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and like, shall we agree that this is how we go forward? Yeah, and it's really I find it really interesting too because a lot of people have kind of um, criticized Dorothy Sayers for. I think we mentioned this in our first episode, but there's a lot of people being like, oh, she was in love with Whimsy. Like, she created this character and, like, fell in love with him, which is super weird and kind of dismissive. But How do you... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. But then people saying, like, oh, well, Harriet Vane is just a, you know, stand-in for her, so she could, like, wish fulfillment kind of thing, have this relationship. Who are these people who care that much? <laughs> <laughs> Say we who are devoting hours and hours. Well, I know, but, like, I'm just appreciating to, like, go to the level of, like, mm-hmm. reading them that far when you're... Yeah. Cri- I, <laughs> yeah, well, there were, yeah, there were just a lot of people who were kind of critical of her yeah. weird relationship with whimsy which i don't really think was a thing but i don't know unless like did yeah. they know her she was like oh my invisible husband whimsy and you're like <laughs> guys it's problematic <laughs> not that i know of but was there know. a stuffed doll <laughs> <laughs> she had a sex doll of whimsy <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. oh yeah she she didn't people i made that up um but so as you know so, yeah uh but interestingly, as um, Mutual Admiration Society, the book points out, there's as much Muriel and her relationship oh. in their relationship as there is um, Dorothy Sayers. Because Dorothy Sayers was married by the time she wrote Busman's Honeymoon. Okay. But her marriage was not a happy one. Mm. Um, and Muriel was not married because she was in a same-sex relationship. And in the 30s, that was Ooh. not legal. But she had a very... Um, wonderful, loving relationship um, with someone who was an intellectual equal. Mm. And the three of them were all friends. And oh. so Muriel and her partner, Barr, um, were very much, like, Barr was very much involved in the collaboration as well. So there is as much Muriel's influence in the relationship of the marriage, um, even to the point where it mentions in the book that Harriet's ruby engagement ring is based on Muriel's um, oh. ring that uh, that Barr gave her. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. it is such a unique look into a unique perspective yeah. that at the time I feel would have been very, it's still unusual today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it still very much is and it does make you wonder like how much of the, this is like maybe a super sexist thing to say, but how much of that kind of amazingness of their relationship is because it's based on a relationship between two women. I don't think it's that sexist because like men have the capacity, but our society doesn't teach or promote or encourage men to have the emotional complexity that Peter has here because he is constantly checking in with Harriet about how she's doing Mm -hmm. and that is uh, as you know in my experience and the experience of like most of the women I know who are in um, heteronormative relationships Mm -hmm. with men like do not experience (laughs) now there are a few but like they are the exceptions that prove the rule Mm -hmm. almost Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
Yeah, that's my bit about Dorothy Sayers. Okay. Well, and that was very, yeah, it was very enlightening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to prompts. All righty. Well, let's just get this one out of the way. Okay. Give me a whoa there. <laughs> <laughs> whoa there. Well, let's just say that there is a very unfortunate word in this book. Okay, yeah, it's there. Yeah. It's, so, it's the N-word. It's the N-word. So our our mass apologies for anyone who was reading this book and came across this word. And uh, I had actually, yeah, like mm-hmm. it had been years since I'd read Bestman's Honeymoon and I'd only read it once before. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, damn, yeah. why is that in there? Yeah. So it's really unfortunate. Um I would tell you what page to skip it, but every edition is a different page. Um, And it brought up an interesting conversation that we we were having Mm -hmm. about, you know, this this word is in here. It has no bearing on the rest of the book. It is unnecessary. Mm -hmm. I don't know at what point, like, I'm not talking about erasure, but like, I was like, you know, like if someone's just wants to sit down and enjoy a detective book, Mm -hmm. they don't need to be confronted with such a word Mm -hmm. that is just so glaringly like takes you out of the moment. You're like, Oh yeah. Like I didn't need to read that. Yeah. So like, I'd love to see it just like have a footnote or something and be like, originally this book contained this word here. Mm -hmm. And like, you could look at it, but Mm-hmm. With terrible things, like you want to remember that they happen, but you also don't want to be still having works that have them in it. Like it's fine mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. present them like they're fine. At the very least, even if it wasn't removed and footnoted, it should with the asterisks. Yeah, there should be a preface of some sort. Yeah, it's in a the trigger book. warning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's a suggestion. We have so many suggestions for publishers. Have you noticed? Last time we wanted a map. <laughs> we wanted a full page illustration well, of Peter. If and we're his getting suggesting suit. to publishers, I would also say a translation of all the French in this book at yeah. the back of the book would be a super mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of French, yeah. There's That's a, not really one of the problems. No, but I'm just but, saying if we're yeah. if a publisher is listening and taking notes, this is the moment I'm gonna say it. Yeah, so that's really problematic. Also, yeah. again, we have some not nice um, references to Jewish people and their proficiencies at making money, Mm -hmm. which is a massive stereotype. Which we have seen consistently through Dorothy Sayers. We have seen this consistently and it is unfortunate every time. And we also apologize for making you read that. Yeah. Um, There's also a lot of normalizing of... um, Violence against women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Ruddle full-on tells Bunter that her husband used to knock her about something shocking, though he was a good husband and brought home money regularly. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Everyone is, like, just, like, blames Agnes Twitterton's mom for being, like, above her station mm-hmm. and, like, marrying a handsome man who then just, like, beat her up because mm-hmm. she couldn't make dinner for him because she was a school teacher. I was like, yeah. pretty sure lots of school teachers. I'm pretty sure she still knew how to cook. Yeah. Like, she, it's just, oh, she wasn't just doing that? Like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... And actually, interestingly, that I'm going to refer back to... Oops, Ooh. I'm going to refer back to the... Um, mutual. Mutual Admiration Society. I um, so yeah, there's a part in that book where it's talking about, um, Peter and Harriet and their relationship. And it says, um, in the play, the characters of Miss Twitterton and Crutchley, uh-huh. 
form a kind of evil version of Peter and Harriet. Miss Twitterton, too, has been shaped by a painful past, which leads her to recreate the violence of her childhood in her adult life. She is the older of the pair, over 40. Crutchley, about 30, has, quote, sulky good looks, which women find attractive. He casts the dreadful menace of male violence over the play to quote the stage directions, resurrecting the threat of Miss Twitterton's own abusive father and briefly raising the question of whether Peter, too, might have a violent temper once he's married. Um, It says, in the case of Crutchley and Miss Twitterton, vanity, greed and foolishness swamp all possible happiness. Peter and Harriet must marshal their moral resources in order to avoid a similar fate. Mm-hmm. So there's, I feel like it's not quite as blatant in the book, in the novel, as it maybe was in the play, that parallel. Right. But it's interesting that that was something that they... They were intending. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say that it does seem that Frank Crutchley, with his temper, with mm-hmm. his, well, obviously like his incredibly cavalier um, actions towards the feelings of women and mm-hmm. the use of women, yeah. it would not have surprised me in the least yeah. um, if he turned out to be an abusive husband, mm-hmm. especially to Agnes Twitterton, who yeah. he clearly despised and was only marrying her for her money. Yeah. And then once he had gotten her money, mm-hmm. I think he would have been an incredibly cruel man to her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And we see that. We see him oh turn on gosh. her when he finds out that she's... Yeah, doesn't yeah. have the money anymore. Doesn't have the money. And then even it's like, oh, well, oh, like you have, you can get potentially get money. Like I'm going to just, I'm going to take your money. Like mm-hmm. you're going to give it to me. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. At least I'll get that. Yeah. yeah. She's yeah. like, but I don't have it. And then he gets all mad at her. Mm-hmm. All these people with their receipts. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So violence against women is a super bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a couple of little things that I was, uh, <laughs> the part of the beginning where, Peter, it's like Peter's mother's diary entries, which are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she just casually says, like, Peter is leaving it to me to engage the staff as Harriet is unexperienced. And I was like, Whoa there. Peter, engage your own staff. Yeah. Why is that got to be your, why is your mom doing that for you when you're 45? <laughs> yeah, because it's the women's job yeah. to outfit the household. Yeah. And because Harriet doesn't have experience in it, mm-hmm. she's going to do it for her. And I do find it's a little bit weird because we don't really ever see Harriet have a perspective on this. No. Because, like, what? She she lived on her own. She didn't have mm-hmm. staff. Mm-hmm. He had Bunter. Mm-hmm. He's fine. Yeah. Who are all these other people? Yeah, I guess it's because, like, the, the size of the house. Like, they would need, it would need more cleaning. It would need more maintenance. They would probably have, like, more parties. And, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, I could see the cleaning. Mm-hmm. But I guess like cook and all that kind of yeah. stuff was clearly Bunter makes amazing meals. So true. That part where he's like mushrooms from the fields behind the house. And Peter's like, oh, are they safe? And he's like, I ate a quantity earlier to make sure. That's <laughs> above and beyond. And Peter's like, ah, great. Like, and yeah, actually speaking of problematic things, there's a couple of times when he like is kind of shitty to Bunter. And Bunter, I, I mean... That's a whole other conversation about like what Bunter also like just never is off the clock. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And like doesn't get a lot of sleep in these 
pages. <laughs> like it just actually takes place over like a very short number of days. Yeah. And Bunter does not get a lot of sleep. But there's a part where, yeah, where he's coming in to tell them what's for dinner. And Peter's like, oh, you made that kind of soup. It's not really appropriate to the country or something like that. Mm. And I was like, oh, like someone just cooked you a meal. Eat it and be grateful. <laughs> right. Oh, there's also the problematic, um, I was going to say the, um, so the young policeman, Selton? Selen. Selen. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone all being like, oh, he shouldn't, like, he's so poor, like, he could yeah. have the kids. Yeah. And then even when, like, Superintendent Kirk goes and he notices that she is expecting again, he's like, oh, come on, people. Yeah. And it kind of is, like, directed at her. Yeah. I'm like, uh, as if she probably has access to birth control. Yeah, like, seriously. As if, like, you know. As if she has, yeah, as if her husband would ever think of, like, doing anything himself to prevent a pregnancy. Like, yeah, it makes me think of the story that when I was listening to a biography of um, Margaret Sanger, her name, who founded Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah, I think so. And uh, there was a story about a woman that she met who she'd had like, I forget how many kids, like 12 kids or something. And the doctor was like, you shouldn't have another one. It's, it could kill you. And she was like, well, like, how do I prevent it? And he was like, ha ha, tell your husband to sleep on the roof. And like, of course she couldn't do that. No. And of course her husband didn't. And then of course she got pregnant and of course she died. Yeah. So yeah, it's not Mrs. Selen's fault. No. no. Yeah. It's yeah. But then it's even like, and then weirdly on the opposite way, it's the other detective, not detective policeman, like who superintendent Kirk is very interesting. <laughs> the one he doesn't like. The one he doesn't like, yeah. who's like, he doesn't like me. And mm-hmm. we have that whole exchange in that guy's, what's that guy's name? What is that guy's name? Because it's very strange because we have that whole conversation is from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's the only time in the whole book that yeah. we like meet this man. Yeah. And it's weird that I, I find it weird that it's from his perspective yeah. when he's just like, Superintendent Kirk doesn't like me. And he's trying to blame me for the fact that Joe Selen has like yeah. killed a man and stolen some money and has got his wife knocked up. Yeah. And like, and it's like, is he? Well, you know what? Sergeant Foster. Yes, Foster. And you know what? That made me think because, yeah, he gets annoyed and he's like, um, the guy's like, oh, like, what am I supposed to be? His nursemaid? Like, I'm not responsible for looking after Jocelyn. It made me think of the conversation we had about Gaudy Knight with Mr. Fine and like how it wasn't her responsibility to look after the man. And we were like, well, a man would never have had that thought. But it seems like Superintendent Kirk does (laughs) feel that way. But Sergeant Foster does not. Well, I wonder if Superintendent Kirk is just trying to transfer his own guilt onto Foster because he's like, damn, if any of us had just checked in with Jocelyn, like we may have been able to help him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And so he seems to be implying that quite heavily to Foster. Yeah. But at the same time, he, like, he kind of is like, oh, Foster's an odd duck and, like, you Yeah, know. he doesn't drink alcohol. He's very, like, rigid and, like, and, and then he, and Foster's like, I did try to talk to him. I told him not to marry that woman. Like, he'd regret it. And he's like, well, then, of course, he's not going to come and talk to you after he did marry her and did regret it. <laughs> no one likes and I told you so. Which, but at the same time, I still don't think Foster's responsible. No. At all. So I just found it was very strange because yeah, you yeah. get this like perspective that you're like, why am I hearing it from this dude? Yeah. And then you like, like, you never see him again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is the purpose of this conversation except yeah. to show like 
Yeah. I know that was, that was an odd one. Yeah. But yeah. So it's weird how like, there's kind of like judgment on either side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also it's problematic that the police are like, as soon as one of their own is slightly involved, they're like, Oh, cover up, cover up, cover up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's find the most, like, absurd way that this person can be murdered. Yeah. Or at least absurd, really, because he's just like, he wasn't murdered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just an accident. It was yeah. an accident. He yeah. really, like, gets fire lit under him to find any other way. Yeah. Yeah. Which he probably wouldn't have done had anybody nope. else been implicated. Exactly. So that's super problematic. Yeah. Um, anything else? There's one other thing. <laughs> In the beginning when they're having that conversation about having kids. Oh, and yeah. Peter's, like, talking about how he's worried about it because of, like, the inbreeding or whatever in the family. <laughs> and Harriet's, like, he's talking about his niece and nephew. And he's like, well, your brother married his cousin. Like, you, your sister married a commoner and her kids are fine. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> what now? <laughs> well, I, I did what now both times because I was like, what now, Helen's mm-hmm. his cousin? I was like, Whoa. Yeah. And also like, uh, like, yes, I guess Parker is a commoner. I know. But it's like, like the terminology. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, yeah. and she's like, I'm common. Like, yeah, she's yeah, like, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, not a super problematic thing, but can we just talk about the like nonchalant introduction of ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> at the, the very last chapter, all of a sudden there's ghosts. And the fellas is like, mm, wish Helen hadn't put that bathroom where she put it. Cause it's really weird for people when there's a ghost who loves to walk through it. Like, <laughs> I know I actually love that of this book, but it's super weird. I love it too, but I'm just like. Okay, <laughs> we're in a world where ghosts exist. <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> I know it's hilarious. Yeah, and then Helen can't see them. Yes. Yeah. Helen. Oh, oh boy, Helen. Helen's the worst. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love like her note and like as compared yeah. to like yeah. all the Duchess's notes. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anything else that's problematic? Um, We've hit a lot in this one. Yeah. Oh, actually, there's a part where um, Peter's mom is talking about Peter's dad, and she's like, oh, he was a complete polygamist. I know. She's <laughs> like, but I loved him. Yeah. And, like, um, one of the letters at the beginning, it says something about Peter has, like, a, oh, like, it's a charming, you know, inclination to stick to one woman at a time but he may find it inconvenient in a permanent relationship i know everyone's just all except like expecting that he's gonna have a mistress Mm -hmm. at some point and we know his brother does do we do well not from these four books but from clouds of witness right yeah um so i guess that was just like the done thing for the aristocracy like you marry for to like perpetuate your line, but then you find your pleasure somewhere else. And I don't even know if it's just the aristocracy because throughout a lot of the whimsy books, there's a lot of men who have, are cheating on their wives Mm. or have a whole second like situation set up. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So I guess, um, yeah, that was, (sighs) comes back to the role of women in society and how like, Back then, it was, like, your options were super limited. Like, divorce was really rare. And, like, there's a part where Peter says something about, like, even someone's 
says something about like, oh, if the marriage isn't a success, I can't see Peter like making an exhibition of himself in the divorce court. Like it was a huge scandal. And like, yeah, they're like, he'll do it if he has to. But yeah, yeah like, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess like if you had a husband who brought home money regular, then you didn't mind if he knocked you about something shocking or was a complete polygamist. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it does like there is that. Um, can't remember who Bunter is talking to, but someone makes a comment about like the state of marriages or something, something. And Bunter's like, his lordship married for love. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, he can afford to. Like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also that, like, yeah, like a lot of people, they married people, but they were not devoted to. No. 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 For women, it was security and mm-hmm. respectability and the chance to have children because apparently like once you're a certain age like if you didn't do that you were well look how they all treat twitterton Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's the whole point of the cattery too right like all these women that society thinks are superfluous because they're not wives and mothers yeah 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 all right well all right yeah that was a lot all righty let's see what else we got in here fave character plus Honorable mention. Oh, okay. Plus, pull a prompt from the character questions. Oh, right. Character questions. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I, I, it's, we've already talked about it. Like, it, there is a standout character in this book. There really is. This is Bunter's book. It's Bunter's book. <laughs> Bunter is amazing in this book. Yeah, just all of the, th- like, uh, again, super problematic that Bunter never seems to have any time to himself. Yeah. He also makes that choice. Yeah. Um, all the things that he is constantly doing, mm-hmm. constantly thinking of, has his hand in so many pots, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. It's amazing. He's like one step ahead of everybody all the time. All the time. Yeah. But he's also like hilarious with his interactions with the other servants because we've never really seen, I mean, we've only seen Bunter when he's trying to schmooze other servants. Yeah. Part of his like detection, but we've never seen him before like managing other servants. Well, he's also pushed to the edge. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Because they're not servants of his choosing and they're not very bright and he's just like. And nothing has gone as planned, yeah. and the port has been shaken, <laughs> and like there's been a murder in the basement, and he's still yeah. trying so hard to make Harriet and Peter's like honeymoon a good time, yeah. and he's just like, I even love her. Like, I mean, again, problematic, like the you know the the violence, but like mm-hmm. how like Bunter was supposed to go down early, but they had yeah. like newspapers trailing him, but yeah. they talk about like Bunter assaulting like a newspaper <laughs> man in the back elevator. Like, <laughs> In the lift. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, Bunter. Um, yeah, there's a couple yeah. of, like, Bunter moments. All right, um, let's do it. Because he's just, yeah. Yeah, there's, um. so, as we talked about before, the the cows, the dog, <laughs> like, the goats. Like, he's just trying to keep the The entire away. circus he has hired to yeah. try and protect, pre- prevent the newspapers. And when the cows are late, how angry he is and shows it to Harriet. <laughs> I find that this one shows so much more of a Bunter's um, emotional range. It does. It does. Because we, like, even this, um, the paragraph that we read at the beginning shows Bunter's happiness mm-hmm. for how happy Peter is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then we also continually see through this book, like the silent language that Peter and Bunter have developed. Yeah. Yeah. And the part where 
at the end when Peter is like doing the exposition of the crime and he like it's his eyes like like skirt over Harriet and like rest on Bunter and Bunter's heart gives a leap he gives a leap but also Bunter weirdly I was like do you do this with people? He comes to like lint brush Peter. Like immediately <laughs> after Peter has like stood on a thing, like moved something dusty and he's like in two seconds, he's there in front of everybody, all the guests just like brushing <laughs> it down. <laughs> but then like Peter's like, no, because I think it's, is it the vicar? Yeah. The vicar's like, oh, I have all this one. looks nice. And he's like, Bunter, do him now. <laughs> yeah. Like, right now. And Bunter, like, hears something in his voice, and Peter looks at him, and Bunter's like, oh, okay, I've got to distract the vicar. Like, yeah. it's all this, like, yeah, yeah. just a tone, a little word. And Bunter's like, ooh, like, I'm not in trouble. I'm... Uh, yeah, I have a role to perform. And so he does, and the vicar just, vicar just loves it. I know. I was <laughs> like, just like, oh, how, how refreshing. <laughs> like, I've never been brushed down by anyone before. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> I also love the part where um, it's, like, the morning of the funeral. And like mm. Bunter shows up, and Peter's like, What's that, Bunter? And he's like, Our silk hat. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, No! He's like, You have to. Our silk hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also about how, like, I think Harriet doesn't go. No, to the funeral. Because no. she's, what is she doing? Like, she's preparing, like, something's happening. All like, the furniture's being removed. She thinks she should stay to make sure. And he's yeah. like, well, Bunter can do that. She's like, no, no, Bunter's already dressed in his finest. I've seen him at Friday. <laughs> yeah. He's seen like him brushing his bowler hat. Yeah, like, he needs to go. Yeah, he's going. Yeah. going. <laughs> and there's that part at the beginning where she's like, oh, Peter, I wish I could have married Bunter. I love him so much. <laughs> Which you can see it. And yeah. it's really interesting seeing the dynamic of them, them in this book because mm-hmm. Bunter doesn't really know Harriet. No, and he is cautious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. quite cautious around her. He's trying to see where she's going to lead. And like, yeah. and she is so sensitive to yeah. like, I better like check in with Bunter. Like, what does mm-hmm. Bunter say? And Peter's like, what? God, they're checking out Bunter so much. Yeah. She's like, we should take Bunter to dinner. And he's like, God. Like, yeah. He's like, I'll ask him if he wants to go. Yeah. Oh, there's a really great part at the beginning when she, um, in Peter's mom's diary, when she's talking about how um, the first time Harriet comes to visit her um, and she's all it's like right after they got engaged and she doesn't know how Peter's family's going to take it and she doesn't know if she's going to be welcomed so Peter's mom sends her a letter and so she turns up yep. and then they're bonding over Peter and then oh, um, they cry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she this picture and she's like somebody who understood him took those was it Bunter this is narrated by Peter's mom which looked like second sight then she confessed she felt horribly guilty about Bunter and hoped his feelings weren't going to be hurt because if he gave notice it would break Peter's heart told her quite frankly it would depend entirely on her and I felt sure Bunter would never go unless he was pushed out H said but you don't think I'd do that That's just it. I don't want Peter to lose anything. She looked quite distressed, and we both wept a little till it suddenly struck us as funny that we should both be crying over Bunter, who would have been shocked out of his wits if he'd known it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All all the people so caring about Bunter. But, I mean, Bunter is a gem. He's such a gem. And I love this also little little part where Mrs. Ruddle, who's the other servant that he kind of inherits with the house, who he does not care for, (laughs) is, like, going on about, like, they go to such lengths to get the fireplaces um, usable and, like, the chimneys swept, which haven't been swept for, like, decades. And, uh... Mrs. Ruddle says, give me a nice gas oven any day. Ah, I'd like that. Same as my sister's what lives in Biggleswade. 
people have been found dead in gas ovens before now, said Bunter grimly. <laughs> I love that he keeps Mrs. Riddle on as well, because Harry's like, do you think we should keep her on? He's yeah. like, well, the brass is very shiny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then at the end, you get the little history about what happened. Like, we always knew that Bunter and Peter served together in the war. Yeah. But then we get the story from Peter's mom about when Peter came home with PTSD and he was just like a wreck and then Bunter showed up well because did because they talk about in the war like Peter strikes a bargain with Bunter like come find me after yeah it is it after Peter or Bunter like I think maybe Peter does something to save Bunter and then is and Bunter's like I owe you he's like go come find me after the war Uh, yeah I don't know that it goes into that it just says they're in like a really like tight spot together, right? Like, they're in some kind of situation. Well, I feel like that's the implication, is that, like, something happens, because Mm -hmm. it's clear that Peter was a little bit of a war hero, Yeah, yeah. though he doesn't talk about it himself, Yeah, uh, what people have mentioned. Yeah, so Peter promised him if they both came out alive that Bunter should come to him. Um, Yeah, because she says, Bunter turned up here saying he'd wrangled himself out Bunter never said that, Duchess. No, dear, that's my vulgar way of putting it. He said he had succeeded in obtaining his demobilization. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it says they were a tight spot together and took a fancy to one another. So Peter promised Bunter that if they both came out of the war alive, Bunter should come to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then yeah. like she, he gets Peter into the flat and like the Piccadilly flat in London and is looking after him. And Peter's like not able to give any kind of order or make any kind of decision because he spent the whole war like ordering people people to their death basically yeah and um so bunter needs snow yeah and then the duchess says like one day she shows up early and bunter came out with a plate in his hand and said oh your grace his lordship has told me to take away these damned eggs and bring him a sausage he was so much overcome that he put down the hot plate on the sitting room table and took all the polish off He gave him an order. Yeah. Get me some sausage. <laughs> <laughs> but as you know from like all these books of knowing Bunter, putting on a hot plate on a table and taking the varnish off would oh, never happen. Like would you can never tell, happen. Like, how, yeah. Yeah. So Bunter, yeah. this is Bunter's book. They, yeah, this is Bunter's book. Also, can we just talk about when he swears so hard at <laughs> Mrs. Ruddle? <laughs> God's truth, which is all one word. He just loses his mind over the shaken port because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, those bottles were dirty. And he's like, what did you do? She's like, I flipped them all right side up. <laughs> he's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And then the moment where he has to tell Peter and Mary yeah. can hear Peter scream. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Who's your honorable mention? Honorable mention, I think it would have to be Mr. Puffet. Oh, <laughs> so many sweaters. So many sweaters. So much singing. Yeah. <laughs> and so much, like, defensive chimneys. <laughs> yeah. I just love how he just, like, in that first scene where he comes, he just keeps peeling off sweater after sweater, and then keeps, like, <laughs> describing what the sweater underneath looks like. And, like, he pulled off the red one to reveal a fair aisle one. He pulled off that one to reveal a green one. Like, he just got so many sweaters layered over each other. Like, why? Is it that hot, cold? Like, <laughs> no one else seems cold. No one else seems cold. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. And he just, like, can't help himself anytime anyone, like... But I would also have to say, and only for 
the quirk of um, loving like quotes. Right. Superintendent Kirk is quite like he's quite good. Yeah, he's quite good. Yeah. Um, I also just want to make back to Mr. Puffet though the fact that oh, yeah. when he's sleeping out chimneys and he gets like halfway up the chimney trying to like get this there, you can, they can hear him <laughs> giving cries of self encouragement. <laughs> oh yeah, because oh, yeah, the whole time he's like yelling and they're like, "Oh my God, what's happening in yeah. there?" Oh, my God, that's so good. And he likes beer. Yes, does not like wine. Yeah. And what if Mr. Puffet hadn't been there? Oh, God, when would they have found Mr. Noakes? <sighs> yeah. Anyway, Puffet is wonderful. Also, because he just, like, the name is so evocative. It is, yeah. Yeah. And, and he and Bunter quite take to each other because yeah. he invites Bunter for dinner. Yeah, yeah. And, like... And Bunter goes. And Bunter goes. Yeah. He's like, oh, Mr. Puffet said... Like, he says, like, mm-hmm. no to Harriet and is like... And yeah. uh, Peter and is like, oh, Mr. Puffet told me I could come over for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And he also is doing the Bunter thing of, like, making contacts in the I love that scene like, when he goes into the tavern and, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter knows exactly what he's doing. He's like, oh... Yeah. Bunter's just getting the lay of the land. He's going to find out this. He's mm-hmm. going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 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 All right. All right. Well, a question. A character question. Oh, character question. Okay. Oh, that says character questions. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Choose a character and recommend a book for them to read. Oh. oh okay. Oh, goodness. Yeah. This is um, going to require a little bit of thought. Mm-hmm. I think I have one for the Duchess. Oh, okay. Okay, the Dowager Duchess seems to have a little bit of <laughs> issue with her reading material. She keeps trying to read something uplifting, but she accidentally keeps getting a book that's not. But she always says she turns back to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Oh, yeah. So she likes a bit of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, she also runs a household and is like very into, like, you know the whole society scene. Okay. So I'm going to recommend for her Tooth and Claw by Joe Walton, which is a society romance book. However, all the characters are dragons. Okay. And I think maybe it might also, um, you know, she's a pretty broad-minded lady, but uh, so I think that she would appreciate some of the themes in that book as well. Okay. About the restrictions of society and the role of women dragons. Mm, yeah. The role of women dragons, yeah. Yep. So that's my recommendation. Mm. <laughs> I just thought of an absurd one. Do it. <laughs> Thinking of Helen, uh-huh. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Helen would be into that. I feel like she would be. I've never read it. Mm-mm. But I feel like if there was a person in these books who would read that book, it would and be like, oh, yeah. it would be Helen. It would be Helen. Yeah. She'd read it secretly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but the ghosts would know. <laughs> <laughs> but she wouldn't know they knew. <laughs> uh, they like rat her out to the rest of the staff. Guess who's reading the money book? <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, all right. All right. All right. Ain't that a name? Names in the book that deserve a mention. Okay. Actually, have too many for this. Um, of no. course, I've already said Mr. Puffet. Mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. think his name is. I just I see him as a large, like barrel-chested man because mm-hmm. he loves to boom out with his singing. Yeah, like yeah. he's got a little bit of puffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 
Twitterton is obviously a mm-hmm. very apt name. What does Harriet keep calling her by the end? Twitters? Yeah, Twitters. <laughs> little twi- poor little Twitters. Yeah. And they call her Aggie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I like Mr. Goodacre's name. Oh, the, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the vicar? Yep. Um, so just the part where um, Superintendent Kirk shows up for the first time, and they mention that he comes with Dr. Craven and Sergeant Blades. <laughs> <laughs> You never hear about them again. No. Dr. Craven, Superintendent Kirk, and Sergeant Blades. Yeah. Um, there's also a doctor mentioned uh, called Dr. Jellyfield, which is also a great name. Is that the one he calls later to like bounce his theory off of? Possibly. Because I got confused how this pretty small town yeah. had like a doctor and a coroner. I was like, mm. isn't it weird? I feel like the doctor would just be the coroner. Yeah, well, they said something about Dr. Jellyfield as, like, the Pagelford doctor. Uh, like, these little villages, and I don't know, maybe he's not... Yeah, I have no idea. It does seem odd. I just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to note that the Undertaker's name is Lug, which is the same as the name of Campion's Oh, man. yeah. Sergeant Lug? Or the, no. no uh, you mean in the Campion books? No, yeah. He's just Lug. Oh, he's just Lug. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, the ex-Burglar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. And I know that sometimes they would reference each other oh. in their books. So I wonder if that was a little nod to... Okay. And then I did write down a bunch of the names from the beginning letters. Okay, yeah. some of those names were hilarious. There's Mrs. Delilah Snipe, Miss Amaranth Sylvester Quick, Mrs. Chipperly James, and Lady Grummage. <laughs> and then there's a town called Snedisley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, not a funny name, but like, I kind of like the name of the house, which is Tallboy. I do like the name of the house. Mm-hmm. Also weird that it only has one L. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish we had heard why. Yeah. I'm I like a little bit. how houses have names. Yeah. I love a good house name. Yeah. Um, and I'm a little bit sad that Harriet is now Harriet Whimsy. Mm, Harriet Vane was good. It's a good name, but she's still going to write under the name Harriet Yeah. Vane. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Ooh. Is there any groping for trout in a peculiar river in this book? Indeed there is. Indeed there is. This is maybe the biggest like one. Like, <laughs> it yeah. requires. What do we need? Like a... Like a <laughs> There's the most groping for trout in a peculiar river, I think, of any of the books yeah. that we've done so far. Yeah, and no shabby tigers. No shabby tigers. <laughs> <laughs> a whole zoo. Like the whole zoo, which I guess is Peter Spirit way of describing his passion or his yeah. libido. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, or his like prowess. Which yeah. he's boasted previously. <laughs> oh, God, he's boasted of it so hard. Yeah. But, yeah, like, there's very interesting, because, mm-hmm. like, they get to Tall Boys, mm-hmm. and it's all, like, the lead up to, like, this is their honeymoon night. Yeah. And... And we know they haven't had sex before. No. They've had some passionate kisses. Yeah. Which seem to be getting even more passionate mm-hmm. since they've actually gotten married because mm-hmm. uh, they have a makeout in the car yeah. and that's when Peter talks about shabby tigers. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Um, yeah, because he thought that maybe Harriet's tiger would be a little bit depressed or something. <laughs> Not shy depressed, or shy or like dampened, daunted. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because he's bragged so much. Well, I don't think that's why he thought. Maybe that because of her previous experience with Philip Boys. Yeah, the guy she did it with. Like, yeah, and she, then she, um, she does. She note. got publicly shamed for sleeping with him. So yeah, that would probably daunt your tiger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then he notes later on that like her gratitude. Oh yeah, leads him to believe that Philip Boys was terrible in bed. Why? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, or at least like very selfish. Yes, which would be in character. Which would be in character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like it all leads up to the wedding night mm-hmm. and then they have like the super awkward conversation about like, oh, now that we know that guy whose bed we slept in is yeah. dead in the cellar below us while we were doing it. Like, yeah. how do we feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And apparently, again, back to Mutual Admiration Society, apparently that was um, Muriel's partner was like, no, like, <laughs> they can't have sex in his bed. And so that's why they put in the part of it airing out the mattress. <laughs> and thank God that Mrs. Ruddle had fresh sheets. Indeed. I do yeah. like the description of her like getting into the the bed and like waiting for Peter mm. and like the linen smells of lavender and like there's like a branch breaks in the fireplace with a shower of sparks and there's like tall shadows on the ceiling and she's just like her heart is like thumping and I do love that that yeah. part. But creepily (laughs) do you remember so it then cuts to bunter oh yeah downstairs Mm -hmm. and it says okay i just have to read this though not precisely anxious he was filled with a kindly concern he had with what exertions brought his favorite up to the tape and must leave him now to make the running but no respect for the proprieties could prevent his sympathetic imagination from following the cherished creature every step of the way. I know. Bunter. Bunter. Well, he's obviously, he's too close. (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. That's weird. So So. he just sat like sleeping in two armchairs downstairs (laughs) while they're like getting on upstairs and he's imagining every step of the way. I know. Well, there's a lot of like creeping on on their relationship in that respect because mm. there's the moment that Twitter denies in the house. Yes. Oh my God. That's like cringeworthy. Oh, so cringeworthy. It yeah. ends up locked in the mm-hmm. room mm-hmm. beside them and has to like, she's like, oh, I don't hear anything. So she's like, safe to go in. And yeah. they're like, I mean, they're not passionately embracing, but they're in a very like a very intimate, intimate hug situation. Talking saying about some very intimate things. Saying some very intimate things. Yeah. And then she's just like, ah! And then she's like, I can't take it. <laughs> and they're like, ah! <laughs> they're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, they handle that actually quite well. They considering, do. They like, do. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Um, and how everyone, like, I mean, like, everyone knows that, like, it's mm-hmm. their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. The guy's, like, dead. But then the bed gets repossessed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do have to say, I love this part where the next morning she shows up. This is before they know anyone's dead, right? She yeah. just knows, like, he's missing. Like, they were locked out, all this stuff. They had to go to her to get the key. Yeah. So she turns up and she's like, I just had to check. And, like, I do hope you pass a comfortable night. Thank you, said Peter gravely. Parts of it were excellent. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And also how Peter, like, um, I think we talked about this before, not here, like is naked yes. in the window. Yeah, and Harriet's <laughs> like, what are you going to do if this is a Redolux? Like, he's like, oh, it'll be a thrill for her. And he's like, oh, sh- like, <laughs> she is there. <laughs> and then she goes and tells everyone how he doesn't have any hair on his chest. Does it someone be like, oh, that's an aristocracy for you? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? And then they're all talking about how like a hairy their like, men are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is not about Peter and Harriet having sex, but I did forget to mention this when we were talking about Mr. Puffet and it kind of relates. So it's the part where like Harriet meets Mr. Puffet and it says she extended her hand. Mr. Puffet looked at it, looked at his own, pulled up his sweaters to get at his trousers pocket, extracted a newly laundered red cotton handkerchief, shook it slowly from its fold, draped it across his palm and so grasped Harriet's fingers rather in the manner of a royal proxy bedding his master's bride with the sheet between them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I love that part. Uh, And it's not sex, but... uh, I'd already accepted this, but to your vindication, Harriet informs Peter that mm-hmm. Frank Crutchley has been making love to Agnes Twitterton mm-hmm. by way that he's been smooching her hard yes. in like the church garden or like the cemetery. The or cemetery? Oh. Yeah. Why do people make out in cemeteries? They're very peaceful places. They're often well landscaped and groomed. There's benches. There's benches. And there's like lots of trees hiding people if they're weeping. They're solitary. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so he's been having smoochy smoochies with Mm -hmm. Agnes Twitterton. Mm -hmm. So there's. Poor Aggie. And he has sex with With Polly. Polly, who he knocks up Mm because he's getting it on with her in the barn. She had a key cut. He had his. Girl, his London girlfriend's oh dad cut a key for a barn so he could have sex with his country girlfriend in it. Yeah. That is, that is low. Boo. <laughs> yeah, it's a boo. Yeah. It's a big old boo. Yeah, yeah. Frank Crutchley, the worst. The worst. And it's shocking how terrible he does become. I know this isn't about sex at all, but like mm-hmm. the layers mm-hmm. to which he actually just is like slowly revealed to be yeah. like a completely depraved, like evil human being when yeah. he doesn't come off that way. No, not I'd the even part way through the book, you're like, oh, he's not that bad. Mm. Like he's just made a mistake. Well, yeah. of course you don't know, but if you've yeah. reread it, like I, we have, like Mm -hmm. he doesn't, even when you know, like he's not Mm -hmm. acting that poorly, but then, Mm -hmm. all right. Any more sex? No, I think that's, I think we covered it. Yep. 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 Page 10. Ooh, building the romance. Oh, building the romance. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah McLaughlin didn't have a song for that. She didn't have a song for that, but she could have. Um, I think maybe this is just a time we talk about, like, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, so we don't have to wax on about it, but the very interesting conversations, the building, this is more like building the marriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if we think about the idea of them, like, reinventing marriage to mm-hmm. suit themselves, it's interesting because it really gives you a bit of a moment to pause and think, well, like what do we think marriage is mm. if they have to reinvent it on terms of like equality and respect and like actual love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we said before, like even today, that's not like you don't, 
I don't think that a lot of people have the kinds of conversations that Peter and Harriet have in this book. No, no. Well, I mean, I think there are a lot. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in some ways, I I know that there are a lot. So when I went to university, I was in Mm -hmm. a media course. And I don't know why, but at some point, the professor asked the... Ooh, 250 plus, like it was a large class, mm-hmm. like how many people were feminists mm. and she counted seven of us oh my God. who put up our hands. Wow. Yeah. And that was in like the two thousands. Yeah. Um, and I went to a university where it was quite, I think I've, oh, I mentioned this last time in Oxford, like it was quite known that like mm. there was smart women, but like, you know, they would spend still like two hours putting on their makeups mm. and then carefully put on their Uggs and their like <laughs> sweatpants with the, like the school in the back, like yeah, the yeah. schlubbiest, but they'd spent all morning looking. Mm-hmm. And so, and like the bar scene and all that, mm. it was designed to like get a partner. So while women, and like you meet a lot of women still today who are like, oh, women are equal or mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But as again, like we said last time, the pandemic has showed that like women are still taking on the burden of household, taking on the burden of child rearing mm-hmm. and like the women's movement. So I don't think a lot of women today even still do enter into marriages in an equal prospect. No, no. like men are still, um, you know, if I remember having my first child and uh, I think I went back to work three days a week mm-hmm. and my in-laws took care of my child, uh, our child, <laughs> two days a week. And my husband watched her for one. And there were women who were in their 40s being like, whoa, like mm. he's watching her for a whole day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah. Um, they're like, oh, that wouldn't have been the question. And they were yeah. only like their children were teenagers or, mm-hmm. and it was like, that would never have happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there's, there's so many layers to it because there's the actual practical mm-hmm. inequalities, like about like, you know, the, 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 the division of labor, the, the division of labor yeah. and like the wage gap and like all of that, that stuff, but let alone the idea that men are raised to have the like emotional capacity to have these kinds of conversations about what your relationship means and what you want it to be and how you intend to work towards that. Like, yeah, that's so rare. And it's so interesting too, because they've gone ahead and got married and now they're kind of having these conversations Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit too late to back out. But she's like, I didn't know if you were going to be a husband who like, told me what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you were going to be a husband who insisted upon like supervising these aspects of my life. And he was like, ah, I didn't want to. Yeah. And likewise, there's a part where he's like, I wasn't sure. Like when she's talking about maybe she doesn't, you know, they have that weird interaction where she's like, maybe you shouldn't investigate. Yeah. And then she's like, he's like, well, I'll give it up. And she's like, oh my God, no, like you can't, um, don't ever let me like, you know, make you less of yourself. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I wasn't sure what I was up against was like, was it jealousy of my work or was it like a perfectly reasonable objection or was it just marriage? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, and, but it's so lovely to see them figuring it out together. And even him asking that question is 
I think so rare Mm -hmm. because some people would have been like, oh, okay, I'll let I just won't, but they will assume the reason behind it, which goes to so many misunderstandings. It'll be like, it's marriage or it's, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately now, like it's, it's still, and I I do see this still in this day that, because I think we're brought up as women are brought up still as nurturers. Mm -hmm. And part of nurturing is like, once you get married is like, you help the man like figure out his full potential. Like all those terrible sayings behind every man is a great woman, you know, all that terrible stuff. And I still see women of quite a young age doing that Mm -hmm. with their partners. And I think the men are just like, that's marriage. And the women are like, that's marriage. Like that's what we do. Like, so when Peter's like, I didn't know if it was just marriage, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, and they talk, remember that, that whole scene where she's like, like, let's not have any matrimonial blackmail. Mm. And he says to her, she's, when she says like, what kind of person, like, what would it mean? Like if you were less of yourself to please me or like, because you're married to me. And he says something like a lot of women would consider that a victory. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is chilling. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like that's what I mean about like the mm-hmm. changing. Cause yeah. it's not that all the women that I know are doing it unconsciously. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like everyone feels like there's a role where like, yeah, like the woman has to, you know, support and help the man, but like kind of the payment for that is the, like the managing of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also like whatever, like a part of whatever. And I mean, of course that's our society too. Like women used to not, be allowed to work outside of the mm-hmm, home. Like, mm-hmm. so their job was to perfect the man so that he could mm-hmm. make more money because that, that was like how they got paid. Yeah. The man getting paid more was how they got paid yeah. for their work on the man. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's also really interesting in this book because there's, there's a couple of parts where she she really goes out of her way to accommodate his moodiness. Mm -hmm. And at first I was kind of like, that's a bit problematic. And then she mentioned, she's like, after inflicting my savage moods on him for five years, like I understand what it means to like, basically be like, you know, accepting and like tolerant of someone's emotions. Yeah. Right. And like, not that you should let yourself be a doormat, but that you, there is a give and take there where like, you need to be able to like accept, okay, well this person's in the mood. Like it's not my responsibility to fix it, but like, it's I can also, be there for it. Yeah. And yeah. if that's what they need to be, like that's where they're at right now. Yeah. I, she makes a comment that hers were far worse, mm. but it also sends like the emotional cause Because the other thing in this one is that, like, this really shows the difference between Harriet and Peter um, in terms of, like, as soon as Mr. Noakes is found, Mm -hmm. he is compelled. Mm. And, like, Bunter is just watching him. Mm -hmm. And he's just Mm -hmm. like, Peter is going to decide to investigate this. But Peter's kind of like, it's not a decision. Yeah. Like, I have to. Yeah. And Harriet's like, huh. Like, she wouldn't have had to. No. No. Like, it's not her calling. Like, she writes about them. She's Mm -hmm. interested. She's intelligent. She 
you know, and in the rest of the book, like she certainly plays her own part as like a bounce mm-hmm. board, but he is the one like, yeah. And there's that part where he's like, she's like, I can't believe you noticed all that stuff where he's like, well, this, 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 this. And he's got kind of self-conscious and he's like, I can't help it. Yeah. It's just like, it's just there. Like I just see it. I'm not tr- looking for it. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's really interesting too. Um, yeah. Yeah, they have some really lovely moments. Like they do. When they're sitting in that garden, when they go for that walk that afternoon. Mm. And it's like Peter's experience of like reciprocal love for the first time in his life. Because mm-hmm. he had lots of women like falling for him, but he didn't care about them. Yeah. And then he was in love with Harriet for five years, but she would have nothing to do with it. And so he's, it's kind of like this description of like how he can't like... He, and they both say at one point or another, like, it's dangerous to be this happy. Like, they just, they can't, they're both experiencing it for the first time. And they're a little jaded. Mm-hmm. 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 And they're also, I think, aware of how rare it is, yeah. which yeah. the book makes quite clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish the book didn't hit us so hard over the head about, like, how many people are, like, pleasantly taken surprise by Harriet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because she's not beautiful. And but she's like intriguing. She's striking. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. in that light with that, you know, thing, like, yeah. you know, in like color. Yeah. 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 Um, but I mean, I, I think it is also that Peter is a very unusual man mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it kind of fits that like, you know, he is the protagonist of Dorothy L. Sayers' mm. book, so that his partner that she would have to create would have to be yeah. just as interesting and intelligent yeah. to intrigue him mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. to keep that to really have a depth of relationship. Yeah. That Dorothy L. Sayers was clearly I mean, I do see that criticism not but I don't see it as a criticism, like mm. yeah. wish fulfillment. No. Like Yeah, it's um and I like the part at the end when, and this is getting into a little bit of building the mystery, yes, but when, this is like the first one we see an extended aftermath. Mm, yes. And he's so upset on the morning of the execution. Mm-hmm. And Harriet's just sitting in her room and she's like, so this is one thing I didn't really like because she's like waiting to see if he's going to come to her, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, if he doesn't, I will have failed. I yeah, I didn't really like that. I didn't either. like that either. But then at the end, when he does finally come after hours, oh my god, the thing he says. Yeah, where he's she's like, I understand. Like, if it were me, I would have want to hide in my corner. And he's yeah. like, Well, you are my corner, and I've come to hide. No, it's the best. Yeah, yeah, I love how. Um, Again, like the Duchess prepares her yeah. for that, just like the yeah. du- Duchess gives her backstory on Bunter. The Duchess is like. FYI mm-hmm. and how Harriet over the course of the book we've also seen her get a little bit bolder with Bunter in terms yeah. of when like oh Bunter like blah 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 do you think he's like I'm sure it's whatever your ladyship's like no Bunter like tell me what you think yeah. <laughs> like you know you know him yeah and so she gets Bunter to go with him because yeah. that's what Bunter would have always have done yeah and Bunter wants to yeah but how, like, Bunter has kind of, like, advised her also on, like, yeah. what's going to, like, the whole family's tried to, well, the ones that know Peter the most yeah. are trying to, like, yeah, like, the guilt. And I, it's just something you never see in a detective novel. Like, no. him, like, 
it's his custom to go and ask for forgiveness after. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's, you know, and Crutchley, of course, won't give it. Like, no. Peter's trying to make all these arrangements to, like, support Polly and mm-hmm. his Crutchley's unborn child. And he's just like, what ebbs? Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah. He doesn't care. Like, he has no soul. Like, it really no, is revealed. Like a real sociopath. Yeah. 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 Like, just... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and how Harriet is, like, you know, like, so understanding that, like, mm-hmm. this is such trauma that he inflicts upon himself, like, time mm-hmm. and time again because he can't help but solve the mystery, but yeah. the aftermath, like. Yeah, and then she's trying to tell him, like, if, you know, it would have been, you know, Aggie Twitterton or it would have been, like, someone else next. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know. and it would have been her five years ago, like, yeah. if he hadn't involved himself, because he's like, what right do I have? Yeah. And it's interesting how much guilt he feels, because, I mean, it's a very good point. Poor Frank Crutchley. Of, of all the people to show up, like, <laughs> like the most celebrated amateur detective in all of England, and his new wife who writes detective novels. I know, <laughs> like, it's like, kind of like the strong poison thing in reverse, where it's yeah. like, Norman Urquhart must have thought, like, the universe is sending him a sign like it's the total op- like yeah. opposite like Frank Crutchley must have been like uh, yeah. shit I thought it was going to be Joe Selen like, yeah. yeah except probably as a sociopath where he's shown to literally just have an absence of feeling mm-hmm. I mean he has feelings angry feelings angry feelings selfish feelings selfish feelings yeah 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 so I, I do love yeah I don't like how she's like oh I would have failed but I do love mm-hmm. how she like doesn't force herself on him and be like, yeah. talk to me, tell me what you yeah. feel. Yeah. Like she lets him work through it. She lets him work through it and come to her. Like, and especially you kind of get the sense that because it's the first time it's happened in their marriage, mm-hmm. like maybe over time, like next time he will come to her a little bit sooner or yep. like whatever. Like it's, she's letting that progression happen where he's used to having to like do this on his own. Yeah. Um, with Bunter in the next room, making himself a small meal, like just being there in case. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. That, that eventually like he will learn that he, she can, she can hold that for him. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so there's a lot of relationship building in this. Yeah. Which is really... I like to think that people of the time period would have read it and taken some tips from it. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah. definitely hope that. And also even like the same that we talked about with Gaudi Knight when Harriet's kind of like evaluating Peter's. Like, mm. oh, he's given me this, you know, like this autonomy, like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Like, because yep. some things in both books, because they're of the time, people don't really come out and say it. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we, we just know, like, this is a thing that we don't do or this. Yeah. But Dorothy Alceres goes out of her way to actually, like, expound upon those things because mm-hmm. they're rare concepts. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Oh, even though we just turned the page, I just want to mention yeah. that they have separate rooms. They do. And like Peter also has like a dressing room too. Is that right? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so. damn. Yeah. 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 But just, you know, he's like, would you prefer to sleep in my room tonight? I'm like, oh, interesting. Right yeah. from day one. Yeah. They're not necessarily going to sleep in the same bed. Well, I think also like aristocracy. 
Or the wealthy. Yeah, yeah. the wealthy can yeah. afford to have two bedrooms. Yeah. The poor cannot. But I mean, we both have two bedrooms and we sleep in the <laughs> same room as our husbands. Well, I don't have a second bedroom. Well, not anymore. <laughs> the couch. <laughs> but yeah. It was never, unfortunately, it was, it was a construction nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Though my husband always points out that I'm like, oh, can't wait to the time when we're old and we can have separate beds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a mover. I mm. like I like to I know. Move. I have slept oh, in my the same God. Pedestal. Yeah, I've insulted <laughs> you in the night. You're <laughs> flailing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And yeah, I it's, I think that a good night's sleep goes a long way mm. to a good marriage and Indeed. why people of incompatible sleeping qualities <laughs> have to sleep together in order to have what seems to be a good marriage is kind of bizarre to me. Yeah. My father once had the duvet made that had basically nothing on his side <laughs> and like was like like almost like it was like half a foot thick on the other <laughs> side for my mom who loved to be hot. He hated That's to be warm sleeping. Amazing. Yeah. So he had like an unequal duvet made so that they could share. <laughs> it's like so funny. Yeah. Awesome. That's one way to get around it. It's one way. Uh, but you can also just have your own bedroom. Yeah. You guys have at least with your two bedroom thing that's true when you get sick when we get sick yeah it's immediately like, ch -ch -ch. Yeah. yeah and it must be nice you're it's, like it oh, is i love sleeping in that other bed it sucks that i'm sick but oh stretching out but it's also like you know if i'm not the one who's sick if he's sick oh you can, can go just go oh uh, yeah <laughs> all right did we we paged him but i'm gonna do it again do it again all right because this is a good one all right I'm not sure why I'm on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's books with Brad. Books with Brad, but clearly it's Bunter. It's <laughs> <laughs> always Bunter. Well, he is described as like, yeah, I think that this is Bunter's book and Brad yep. Pitt would do well in that role. Mm -hmm. However, if we are allowed to time travel again, I also yep. think that Brad could do sulky, handsome Frank Crutchley quite for well. Sure. And like he would give you like, you'd be like, okay, that's why all the girls are going for him. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's only described at some point. I think he smiles at Harriet yeah. and she's like, Oh, I see it now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Brad would make a good Frank Crutchley. Yeah, and I've met men like that throughout my life, that mm -hmm. they have like a certain face or look or smile. You're like, oh, okay, I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I see where you get your charm or yep. where you put it. <laughs> <laughs> you put it all in that smile. <laughs> all right, so that's what I would say. Yep, yeah, I concur. Feminism 101, Queens of Crime. We already covered this. Well, I think because we talked so much about romance that yeah. we've talked about like the role of women. I think we've we've talked about how Harry and Peter's relationship is based upon a lesbian relationship of right. equal status and right. intelligence. Um, I think we have two. I would say though, in terms of feminism, um, I would like to talk briefly about the character of Aggie Twitterton. Oh yeah. Had I not followed Gaudy Knight with this book. I probably would have been way more offended by the character of Aggie Twitterton mm. because she seems like the worst kind of stereotypical spinster idiot. Yes. Right? But having just read Gaudy Knight, you know that's not what Dorothy Sayers thinks about women who aren't married. Right. Um, but she's a very, like, she's kind of a caricature. She is a caricature. Yeah. 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 Um, and it starts immediately, her ugly dollhouse that she lives in, mm -hmm. 
like all her knickknacks. Her knickknacks. Like you might as well have given her five cats. Yeah. But you gave her five hens. Yeah. Or however yeah, many she's hens. She's like obsessed with hens. Someone, and even yeah. like. <laughs> what? Well, it's funny because remember when like she talks about how she couldn't like she, her alibi is that she killed the hens. Right. And Harry's like, you killed them? And all the men are like, oh, it's easily done. Like, yeah. it's not a hard thing to do. Like a small woman. Like, but I always felt like Harriet's reaction was more like. It didn't seem up to Agnes Twitterton to kill anything. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that she couldn't physically do it. It's that she didn't seem like she could <laughs> mentally handle yeah. it. Well, yeah. Harriet definitely seems to have that feeling about Twitterton the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like, poor little Twitters. Like, yeah. she definitely couldn't have killed her husband. And at one point when, like, Peter's eyes are, like, resting upon Agnes Twitterton in, like, a mm, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. way. And Harriet's like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... And at one point, um, I think it's Mrs. Ruddle refers to her as like mutton dressed as lamb, which I hate that phrase. Yeah. Um, And I also want to say, although Peter and Kirk are both likable characters, they both, their initial reaction for both of them upon finding out about Aggie Twitterton and Frank Crutchley is laughing at her. Yeah. And that is just horrible. Yeah. And Harriet gets really mad. Yeah. Yeah, rightly so. Yeah. Because it's not something to be laughed at. This woman who, you know, everyone treats as a joke and like diminishes and belittles and this like mm-hmm. handsome man is paying her attention. Yeah. And that to just like to laugh at her as though she's not worth anything, that like as if like, well, there's no way. Like, what a joke. Like I just that part really bothered me. But it did, you know, it was addressed in the book with yeah, Harriet with Harriet being angry, angry about it. But even like the part where she has, she has thought her uncle was rich yeah, and she is his only heir. So she yeah. is supposed to inherit and then like finds out she has no money and she's mm-hmm. like, uh, like I'm fucked. Yeah. Like, cause they're like, oh, she's got her hens. She'll be fine. Well, I mean, apparently it's not very hard to kill them, but at some point she will be an older person yeah. who potentially could not like have something that happens where she could not do that. And then how yeah. does she live on her own? Like, yeah. Yeah. cause I think she says she rents it. Yeah. She's in a really rough, she's in a spot. rough spot. Yeah. And even if he hadn't had money, if he had not sold the darn house, yeah. I mean, of course the creditors would have come along, but she may have been thinking she was going to get the house. She might've. Yeah. Like yeah, tall it's, boys. It's sad. She's a really sad character and they treat her as a joke. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Harriet treats her with a lot of compassion mm-hmm. when she literally finds her having hidden her house. Yeah. Because <laughs> she didn't want them to see her crying. Yeah. And I do actually do love what Harriet says to her. Then I wrote it down because Harriet's comforting her about Frank Crutchley. And she says, there isn't a man in 10 million that's worth breaking your heart over. Mm. And I feel like I want to get that inscribed on something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's like a really good, um, like scene of like female solidarity. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also like how she cleans up Aggie Twitterton mm-hmm. and then she powders powder her. Yeah. And like, I guess Aggie Twitterton has never put powder on before yeah. and it does have an yeah. effect of like making her look mm-hmm. younger and a little bit. And she's like, Oh, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's hard. Feminism critiques of makeup. You could go, Oh, you could go back and forth about it. But I mean, it is like, it's a tool yeah. like that she could use. And yeah. like, I, th- yeah. I feel like in that moment it gives her a little bit of hope Yeah, because Frank Crutchley has just so meanly described her as like, 
what did he call her? Oh, does he, he calls her like he says so many horrible things. I think to he her. calls her like he. I think he, does he make a reference to her chickens? <laughs> like probably <laughs> and her looks. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's something bad. I can't yeah. remember, but yeah, she. He's just yeah. He calls her something really mean and like old. And yeah. so I think seeing her face refreshed and looking a little bit younger than it's looked mm-hmm. um, is a hope for her, which is, yeah, because yeah. I think the thing is, is that she actually is like, she's looking for, she's a poor little thing who's looking for love. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And has had a pretty shitty life. Like, yeah. An abusive father and like. Yep probably like never a lot of money and and the whole town looking down on her because it's such an odd thing where she's like a little bit more educated because her Mm -hmm. mom was a school teacher and they're all like "Ooh, you're snobby yeah you're putting on airs like i think you're better than they're all snobby they are all so (laughs) snobby i do like that the last you hear of mr richard is that she's like with the vicar and his wife and they're like yeah like you kind of feel like as much as people look down on her like it's also a village it's gonna like pull together for its own yeah yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. i think that was all all right all right the detective in the watson i feel like we've also said a lot about buncher already and peter (laughs) well this one is an interesting one because we also um like there's also kirk yeah kirk and peter are the yeah. detectives. Yeah. Yeah. Going at things their own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Harriet and Peter do a lot of like bouncing off each other. I love that part where they, um, they talk about how like, let's make a case against this person. Let's make a case oh, against yeah. that person. And then later on they like tell Kirk and he's like, Oh, like I, like maybe I've been a little like remiss. Like I <laughs> haven't thought of any of that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I love how they talk, Peter talks about how his, I mean, he can't ignore a compelling motive, mm. but his is all about the how. Yeah. How did, how did it, how was it done mm-hmm. and who could do it yeah. the way that it was done? Yeah. And like, do that and you'll always find them. Yeah. And he likes, and Harriet's like, oh, well, that's what we always have to figure out to like write the ends. And, uh, so I like that. I also like that, like, Kirk, like, shows a little bit of the Peter where he's like so obsessed with trying to get Joe Selen off. He like shows up at like 11 o'clock at night and it's their like second night in the house yeah. and he wants to like go in the living room and, he, and Butcher's like, uh, that's right underneath our bedroom. Yeah. And he's like, but like Peter's like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in, do what you need to do. And then Peter's like, should I go down? Should I go down? He wants to go like, down so he badly. He wants to go down so badly. Yeah. He's like, but then he like, he analyzes the whole situation. He's like, he's here to try and figure out how to get Joe Solid off. Yep. And he watches him walk away and he's like, ah, he's not done it. Yeah, like, like yeah. his shoulders are a little drooping. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. He like narrates the whole thing. But yeah. I just, yeah, like that compulsion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But of course, like we've talked about Kirk's compulsion is a little bit bad. Mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that it's a uh, Peter Kirk and then Harriet Bunter. Yeah. As the Watsons. Yeah. Joe Salen is not a good Watson. He just gets himself tangled up in a big mess and then goes and sits by a river and stares <laughs> off into space. Oh, good grief. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Foster's, well, just, Foster's just self-absorbed. I guess. Because <laughs> that whole speech, he's just like, what are we doing? 
me. Like, yeah. I never get the opportunities. I didn't get to have the murder. Yeah, like, Kirk always swoops in. Swoops in. I'm like, well, how many murders are there? Like, <laughs> I like to picture Kirk as Captain Kirk. Yep. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kirk as played by William Shatner. I would also just like to say that I love the vicar who was an anti-Watson, who was like there for like the pivotal Peter figuring out scene. And it's like, oh, what's going on? Is, are you figuring something out? But like it's been like a while and he's like, oh, something's happening. <laughs> I, I do love the vicar. Yeah. yeah. He's like, good. oh. And then I'm like everyone just like at the end like busts into the room. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then I wasn't prepared for the I know. Yeah. All right. We All saw, right. I guess that's the question that must be left. I guess. Prompt. All right. Is it me? Mm-hmm. Is there only one left? No, there's two. Oh. Oh. This magic moment. We're never going to oh, get yeah. to building the mystery. I keep on wanting to talk about it. Two Magic moment. Okay. Well. Right. Oh. Okay. I feel, like, I feel like I have a couple. The very beginning, all the letters in the Dowager's diary entries. Mm. It's not a moment, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, they're very funny. Um, and like the um, talking about Harriet's wedding dress, which is gold lame. Yes. <gasps> Amazing. Amazing. I do love that she, like in a hark back to Gutty Night, mm-hmm. like all the dons are, the are there. So although I do have to say, okay, so the warden gave her away. Yeah. Her bridesmaids were... The dean. The dean. Miss Devine. Yep. Miss Chilperic, of all people. She picked Chilperic? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. I remember. Yeah. Wasn't Miss um, Lid, um, Lydgate. Lydgate. Miss Lydgate. Yeah, the dean, Miss Lydgate, Miss Devine, and Miss Chilperic, which seemed odd to me. Oh. Um, but, and while I liked that, I was a little bit like, what about Sylvia and I looned? Oh, right. You never hear about Sylvia. Like, and Sylvia was the one she moved in with after yeah. she moved out with, from Philip. And I just feel like I would have liked a little shout out to them. Yeah. 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 That, that would have been nice if we'd known that they were there. Yeah. That also brings me back to sex in the book because <laughs> isn't there something where Peter's like so overcome with happiness? He's like hardcore smooching everybody. Yeah. And then... <laughs> St. George gets in on it. Yeah. And it's also hardcore teaching everybody. Yeah. And he and Miss Lidgate like go at it. And everyone's like, woo! And I'm just like, what now? And then they have to put Miss Devine's hair up for a second time. Yeah. It all came down. And I'm just like, I pictured Miss Lidgate as like an older and like Bright of course like lady, St. Yeah. George is like 20 and gorgeous. And like I'm like, what is he doing? It's amazing. Yeah, it's so amazing. Making out with all these older, <laughs> learned women. Yeah. You can so see him doing it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, another favorite part we talked about is Harriet and the Dowager Duchess crying over Bunting <laughs> and the ghosts. I love the ghosts. And then my last one for favorite parts I'm going to say is like that part right before they discover the body when mm. it's just like this impromptu gathering of like all these people showing up and like Twitterton shows up to find out how they are and then Puffet's there to clean out the chimney and then the vicar comes just to like you know check for a collection and then like Mrs. Ruddle's there and like everybody's just like turns up in the thing and then the guy coming like looking for money and it's just this like giant like. Well when you said play it made so much sense to me mm-hmm. because that sitting room would obviously be like yeah 
the main set because so many people come in and out of that Mm -hmm. thing because the same thing happens after the funeral. The movers are there, but then like Peter comes back with a whole host of people, but like they only have like two chairs and like a certain amount of this, but she's like, oh, and well, Mr. Prophet came too. And like, you know, like more people than she would expected. Like they're all just like, do, 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 do. And so they keep on having all these parties. Like they're barely alone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they're entire it's true like, they're really not yeah. yeah um i do like when they go they so the, all the furniture's taken away and punches like i can see about some trundle beds and yeah, like a kettle a kettle or a cook stove like yeah. and she's just like i can't do that to bunter yeah, like, like it would break bunter. break bunter so they take off to well they first go to town mm-hmm. and then they like so it's just Peter drive all night because yeah. they get there at like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, he drives all night. Yeah. Um, and so then they go to, um, what is it called? Denver House? Um, Denver. Or like the Dower House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they get like the whole tour. I like yeah. the whole tour. Yeah, of yeah. like It's a weird little epilogue almost. Like, it is yeah. weird because I really thought they weren't going to go. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, no, we need to go. Like, Yeah. But then they do go back mm-hmm. to Tall Boys. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, yeah, even like how, because is, is it the day of the funeral with the movers? Like the movers mm-hmm. are still there when they mm-hmm. figure out that. Yeah. 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 Still, like, moving the furniture out. And, yeah. 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 Okay, we should just move on to that then. Yeah, let's Even do though there it. is two more left. Oh, but, what? Oh. oh, and I didn't pick it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this one's quick though. What it's, is it? Oh. Any cats in the there back? are! There, finally, there finally are two. Two cats. Two cats. So there's the ginger cat. Yeah. Who sits on Peter's shoulder. He shows up for breakfast every morning and sits yeah. on Peter's shoulder and like yowls at night. Yep. And there's Ahasuerus. And, and, and uh, Harriet won't stop Peter from, like, throwing something at him, but then Bunter does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the Dowager's cat, Ahasuerus. Yes, who keeps attacking Franklin. <laughs> Franklin. Her maid. Yeah. And she's, like, writing in her diary. She's like, Ahasuerus left a mouse in Franklin's slipper. Like, he vomited in her room. It's odd how fond he is of her. <laughs> Uh-huh. And at one point he gets yeah. so mad when Harriet's there that he yeah. claws her. Yeah. 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 Two cats. Two cats. Yep. And finally. Do it. Oh. All right. Let's okay. Let's do this. Okay. So. Ah. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I just want to say that whenever I think back on this book, mm-hmm. I'm always like, did they just like rig up a cactus on a string <laughs> yes. to smash into somebody's head? And then I'm like, no, nope, that can't indeed. be right. But then when I reread it, I'm always like, oh no, that is what happened. That's how he did it. I, yeah, the one thing I would say I find unsatisfying is that no one takes the trouble to find out how Frank Crutchley came up with that plan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Seriously. (laughs) For like, so how long did that take you, Frank? Yeah. Yeah. What was the process that led you there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And also, why did he, why did he, I mean, he killed Noakes because he thought, Noakes would that, and then Aggie Twitterson would inherit everything. Yes. And then he could marry her. Yeah. But 
why then? Why now? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't really talk yeah. about because he like Noke still owes him his forty pounds, mm. which he's been trying to get back out of him. Maybe that was part of it. Where he's like, I'm not going to get this. Like, uh, oh, I got to kill him to get it through Aggie. Yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe yeah. he was just like fed up with yeah his job as a gardener and like driving taxis and he's just so like, apparently he did it quite well. Yeah, everyone seems very impressed with him. Well, yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like that's one of the red herrings. It was for me at first before you realize that the vicar just has no judgment because at the very beginning mm. of the book, he's like tells them that he th- thinks highly of Frank Crutchley. Yeah. So then you kind of discount him, or I did anyway, because I was like, yeah. well, the vicar likes him, and the victor is a- vicar is obviously like a good guy. Yeah. But then you gradually find out that the victor, why do you blame the victor? The vicar is like just has like doesn't know what's going on no (laughs) No, he loves cacti well and Uh, i think it's so funny that the whole time they're like how was he killed and like harriet and peter are like hating on the cacti so hard disclaimer Mm. i like me some cacti that's good yeah um though yeah i don't know if i would put cacti in a hanging pot it feels dangerous well and it is yeah even yeah. though that's not what i think the part dangerous is about like what do you think is just walking into well it the spike getting sad yeah i always have mine up in a way where they can't be like knocked over or knocked into Almost like, like they were hanging from the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> i know something hanging can always drop uh, yes yeah yeah anywho's but i love how they're they constantly talk about the murder weapon mm-hmm. and hate on it yeah i know <laughs> and that's another red herring like plants are like very big in this book whether it's like the outdoor garden or yeah. like all the aspidistras and all the cacti and like mm-hmm. they talk about them all the time mm-hmm. um and then like the whole point about the clock mm. right like and moving the cactus and like examining its pot and like all this stuff like it's such a main character in the book before you realize it's the murder weapon yeah yeah and i love how like the giveaway is the mold spot on the cacti <laughs> yeah um and it's yeah mr goodacres who's like i really want that cactus so yeah. he like pays both creditors I to know. buy it i was like that must be quite the cactus yeah and how peter talks about like or harriet describes it like seeing it like because that's also the crazy part is that, like, it's been hoisted up so high mm-hmm. to have the swing leverage mm-hmm. to kill Noakes mm-hmm. that it's, like, on its side hanging up there. Mm-hmm. And it looks like some strange, like, sea creature. Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm just like, whoa. And I was like, how could nobody notice that? And then Crushly comes and do, 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 do. And I was like, here's how. Yeah, yeah. But, like, what if he had been two inches taller? I know. Boom! Yeah. And would if Peter accidentally have murdered him? Yeah. Not murder, I guess. Uh, manslaughter? Manslaughter? I, I, don't I don't know. know if that exists. And he, like, tells the vicar, he's like, get into the corner, you're the only one who's at risk, because he's, like, the only... He's like, don't you know that you're, like, the most at risk? And the vicar's like, what? Like, the vicar doesn't know what's going on, but it's only because he's the only one tall enough to get, like, beamed by the cactus. <laughs> Apparently, Dorothy Sayers actually made the experiment with wow. a hanging planter. Yeah, which is amazing. Well, you would have to, yeah. to be like, this would work. This string would hold. Because yeah. I do, like, when I read it, I'm like, really? A fishing wire? Mm. Like, is... But he does say, like, this would hold up, like, a 20-pound fish. Like, yeah. 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 But, but it's, it's just, an, like, underneath the lid. Like, I just, like, the yeah. slippage. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, over time. Under but, the, yeah, the yeah, wireless. Yeah, but... I mean, it didn't have to be that. Yeah. 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 Which makes me think that, like, when that happened, 
oh no, Crutchley was already gone, but like, I find it strange that Crutchley just like waits to come into like the next week. Like, mm. he's just like, is mm-hmm. Noakes just lying dead in his living room for like yeah. a week? And he's just yeah. like waiting like for someone to like, because, yeah. oh yeah, because Peter says that he would have been the next person to go again. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and it's like, it's interesting because so many times in the book where they're talking about how oh, with those types of head injuries, he could have got up and walked around and gone down to the cellar. And I kept thinking, there's no way he wandered, he went and, like, wandered into the cellar. Mm. But he totally just did. He totally just did. Yeah. Or he was, like, at the top of the stairs and then he and was, like, and down. fell. Because yeah. he has, like, bruising. Right. So he could, because I think it's only a f- couple of steps. Right. Maybe he was, like, I need a beer. He probably was, yeah. <laughs> He's like, what just happened? Why is this cactus so much lower than I remember it? I need a beer. <laughs> Um, yeah, a particularly odd, inventive, yes, method of murder, method for sure. And again, like they talk about how it probably he probably would have been able to get away with it had mm-hmm. it not been Peter and Harriet in mm-hmm. the house, because mm-hmm. he literally like cleaned the evidence while he was there, like visiting with him yeah, the next they week. Him do it, they yeah. all watched him do it. Yeah, and Pretty also bold. if if the chimneys had been clean. Yes. Then they wouldn't have found the chain. Yeah. So this is like, but I think that's often the way that like murder kind of unravels. Mm-hmm. It's just the little things that you can't account for. Yeah. It's just the world famous detective coming into the house. He didn't know he was gonna be there. <laughs> yeah. He didn't know he was gonna get the chimney swept. No. <laughs> like, and now there is like the whole plot line with Joe Salen is another great like yeah red big herring. red herring. Yeah, yeah, because um, you really wonder if like he's yeah the blackmail and the whole thing. Um, well, he skips to and, yeah yeah yeah, and like his wife even says he's talked about like moving to Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when they do that scenario, like every single person where they work out how they could have done it, how they could have got in, how they could have got out, what their motive mm-hmm. might have been. I love that part. Yeah, because he definitely, because they're like, well, he would have been first on the scene as the policeman. Yeah. Like, they would have taken his word for things. Mm-hmm. He would have been able to just alter anything. Yeah. 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 And I love how, like, the superintendent... I was like, it couldn't have been a policeman, but I think his wife had just like read a book in which like a policeman had done yeah. it. And he was like, never happened. Then he's like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's again, one of those classic golden age mysteries where all the clues are laid out. You know, mm-hmm. you could put it together if you really. Yeah. Cause I do remember like that first, also that first morning, like Puffet winding mm-hmm. the fishing string as he's like chatting to them mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. how it's not the chimney's fault. <laughs> like, also that he keeps every bit of rope and string he ever finds. He's just got pockets stuffed with so rope. Many, so many pockets. <laughs> the man must be so overheated. Or so, so skinny under it all. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's only puffy looking because of all his layers. Maybe. And it's only because of his name that we think he's puffy looking at all. And his, like, booming singing. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) I love how they have, like, multiple sing-alongs. I know. So good. They really get in the spirit of country life, village life. Yeah. Yeah. Was that the last bit? I believe it was. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's judge this book by its cover. All right. 
Well, let's do yours because yours is. Uh, I'm happy to say mine is delightful. It is, except like I it. do wish that it was like a cream instead of a gray. Yes, I can see that. It would be classic. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. Um, all the credit due to you. You found it when mm-hmm. we were at a secondhand shop, mm-hmm. and so mine quite nicely says a Lord Peter Whimsy mystery with Harriet Vane at mm-hmm. the very top. So like she's on the cover, people. Yeah, this is pretty great. And um, again, like as most books do, it's got her name really big and kind of like a classic font. But there's this box that goes all the way around it. And at the top, in the center, the box actually turns into the um, chain from Peter's eyeglass. And it's a little <laughs> profile of his head, which is so nice. And then it's a picture. We think it must be of Bunter. Although it's not the proportions I would have No, I would have given him much more of like a swimmer's body. <laughs> Longer legs. Longer legs, a more nipped waist. <laughs> like <laughs> Publishers, with, are you With listening? like a triangle, like the big... Sh- like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a good broad shoulder, <laughs> I have to say. Anyway, so someone's coming down the stairs into the cellar. There's a whole bunch of things in the cellar. I think that though that they keep like the paint right beside the canned goods and that seems wrong that does seem wrong there's also weirdly like a hammer that's like sticking out of the frame of the whole picture and the guy's hand is kind of reaching for it which suggests like that that's somehow a clue to the murder but it's not there's no hammer there's no hammer at all what is this so what is he wearing it's like a checkerboard he is wearing a checkerboard which i do love because the person who's done the checkerboard hasn't like taken any time to like make it fit with the folds. It is just like a, <laughs> a flat checkerboard across his entire shirt. So, yeah, it's pretty great. And he's got like a graspy hand. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and but I, I do I do love it overall. Who's the publisher? The publisher is Harper Perennial, a division hmm. of HarperCollins Publishers. Oh, and the cover him. design, let's give a what what to Karen Goldberg. All right. And illustration Marie mm, Is it Michael if it has no E? Michelle? Michelle? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, good for them. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. Oh, and we never talked about the origins of the name. Oh, Busman's Honeymoon. Yes. Yeah. I'll go for it. All right. So I looked it up. Okay. Because they do talk about how they're having like a Busman's holiday. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Busman's Honeymoon. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. But if you don't know, um, it's a reference to someone going on a vacation and then doing what they would do for their job while they're on vacation. So Peter a is a... A lot of bus drivers had to end up driving buses on their vacation. I don't know. I don't know about that part. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Peter is solving a murder on his honeymoon, which right. is what he does the rest of the time in his life. So Maybe a busman is like a busboy. It's like they have to clear their own table i don't know i'm reaching to clear their own table. <laughs> they're like god damn it this busman holiday clearing my own table just like i do at work clearing tables <laughs> i'm not even gonna bother going over my book because it's not good it is yeah it's sadly terrible <laughs> but I feel it's got like- nice um I like the pink and blue. Yeah, it's got some nice colors in the title, but overall... The picture's terrible. It's, again, it's a cover with a photograph on it, which I have previously stated I don't care for. No. Um, we've got lots of ideas of, 
for publishers. So maybe one day we can pitch, we can gather them all together and pitch them to a mm-hmm. publishing company. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I think right. that's us for season two. <gasps> season two. Yeah. Oh, thanks one. for sticking it through. Yeah, yeah thanks for sure. sticking with us <laughs> over this lengthy this lengthy time period since between seasons one and two. Or between mid season two and second half. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and season three will be at some point in the future. We mm-hmm. probably will take another little break on account of certain life events that will be happening <laughs> soon. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, can I just say it? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah I'm super, super pregnant. <laughs> so it's yeah. It's been a great pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back um, once that has become a little more settled in. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Out. Settled out. Settled out and then in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and season three is going to be, the reading list will be posted um, mm. really soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. We still don't have a sign off. And like we said at the end of season one, we'll have it for next season. Yeah. Maybe we really will this time. I've, uh, maybe. Oh, wait. We were going to try slamming a book close. Hold on. Oh, right. We were going to go like... Oh. <laughs> or you could be like. Okay, wait, you do the thing and I'll do the. <laughs>